Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Oh, it's time for the Ben Drossi Show. As I speak, it's Friday, September 2nd, 2022. Here's a headline in Chicago Sun-Times, just to give you a sense of what's going on in the world. And uh, we're not even going to talk about this, but I'm just going to read it anyway. Uh, <laughs> bears to reveal plans for Arlington Heights site at meeting next week. This is a headline in today's Chicago Sun-Times. Just give you a sense of what's going on in the world, ladies and gentlemen. The bears are about to, <laughs> the bears are about to scam Arlington Heights. They're going to have this public meeting and tell Arlington Heightians what a wonderful deal uh, their stadium is in Arlington Heightians. If they're anything like Chicago, and they'll be oh my god, thank you, thank you. All right, enough cynicism for me for the day. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. It's been way too long since we had our conversation. Take it away, distinguished guest. I'm Ramana Hussain. I'm a member of the editorial board and columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, and dear friend of the Ben Jarowski Show. Uh, and I took a vacation. Ramana took a vacation. Uh, and uh, so now here we are back together, back in Chicago, uh, talking about all, uh, all all the things going on in the world. And I had a whole list of things I wanted to talk about. And then Ramana threw a curveball at me today. Uh, I, and you know me, Ramana. If you want to keep a secret from me, put it on Twitter. So the whole freaking Twitter universe is, discuss, is discussing the great Sydney Sweeney uh, controversy. I didn't know anything about it. I, I'm just being honest, folks. And Ramana asked me, uh, did you hear about Sydney Sweeney? And first my thought was, who's Sydney Sweeney? Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I looked her up uh, and I realized, oh, yeah, the, the, the blonde actress uh, from White Lotus. I didn't know about it. And also she was in, uh, then I did a deep dive. Uh, she was in my favorite movie. It's only seen it six times, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, and she plays one of the Manson girls. She's the one at the uh, door. That's a classic, great, great scene. Suddenly, I loved Sydney Sweeney because she was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ramana's going to refrain now from blasting that movie. Uh, but um, anyway, so she's the one at the door as Brad Pitt approaches the house where they keep Booster. All right. Anyway, um, so Ramana, not all of our uh, listeners. Um, follow Twitter. So and you might have to do a synopsis, one of your famous Romana synopsis, and then we'll take the deep dive on the issues embedded uh, in this fascinating little culture battle uh, going on over Twitter, having to do with the actress, Sydney Sweeney. Take it away. So um, I'm assuming most of your um, listeners don't watch Euphoria. I, I don't think that's, that's the targeted audience. Um, I actually didn't watch it um, until last year and I binged watch it and it's definitely as insane as they say it is, but the acting's really good. So Sydney Sweeney is most known for her role in Euphoria and, uh, you know, she's a pretty popular actress. And so she's been under fire 
last week. Um, she, there was pictures that surfaced on, you know, the internet of her being at her mom's 60th birthday party. And at her mom's party, people are donning the hats. Her mom turned 60 and people are donning the hats that look like MAGA hats, the red MAGA caps. And they say, make 60 great again. And in one picture that she's in, uh, there's a relative that's wearing a Blue Lives Matter shirt. So if anybody pays attention to Euphoria, it's very cutting edge, um, dare I say, woke. You know, there's a lot of topics on there, you know, about race, um, you know, LGBTQ. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat got a little caught there. Um, so it's like hits on a lot of modern topics. And, you know, race is definitely one of them. And a lot of people were definitely felt unsettled if they, after they saw those pictures. And so there was a debate going on on Twitter. Um, when do white people speak out against their relatives or should they speak out against their relatives who are apparently very MAGA leaning? Um, do they say anything? Should they be held accountable for what their relatives believe in? And then on the other hand, people are like, well, what can you do? This is what the average white American has in their family. They do have, the average white American does have MAGA supporters. So there was just a lot of discussion about it, a lot of back and forth. For me, I could see both sides because, you know, there are people who have, um, everybody has a relative that they don't necessarily agree with with their political views. So I do sympathize to a certain extent. But then there's another part of me that um, belongs to a marginalized group and who does get lumped in with other people um, when something, you know, one of somebody that looks like me or somebody that, you know, belongs to the same religion um, does something crazy. Then it's like everybody is tarred with those, um, you know, accusations, like with um, people coming out and telling me to denounce what someone else halfway across the world is doing. So, I, I do feel like uh, I do feel white people do have a responsibility to a certain extent, but I think I think the debate should be there because like to what degree do you sever your relationship with certain people because of the views they have? And, and you know, like I said, it's a difficult it's a difficult um, question. But at the same time, I do think I do strongly feel that white people get the grace that the rest of us don't. Um, I always tell people like remember when Barack Obama was running for president, he had to severed ties from like almost everybody that was in his background in Chicago because white Americans didn't feel comfortable with who he associated with. They're like, oh, you know, Jeremiah Wright said something and it's offensive. So Barack Obama can't go to that church anymore. And I felt like, you know, that's happened to people who are Muslim, who I know. And, you know, there's 50, there's like five degrees of separation to someone that is controversial or someone that America, the American, white American public is not, you know, comfortable with. And I know people who've lost jobs. But meanwhile, white people can have relatives who have abhorrent views, in my opinion, and they're allowed to be an individual. And everybody's like, well, that's their cousin. And, you know, you can't expect them to, you know, denounce their cousin. But I'm like, trust me, if one of my cousins had a viewpoint that most white America was scared of, I would be put on blast. So I, I, I do think it raised a lot of good questions. And this happened like the, the um, whole Sydney Sweeney thing happened like right after um, right after I had uh, finished my column last week because I did my column on the fourth fourth week of the month instead of the third week of the month because I was on vacation and you know I was like struggling to come up with something. And then I saw that and I'm like, oh my God, this has been something I've been wanting to talk about for the longest time because I do think I do think it's something that people should talk about because I feel like most people of color and and or Muslims and other people who aren't Christians always have to denounce people that are that are in their midst. Whereas white people are like, well, that's their cousin, that's their aunt, and 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 you know they get they they get away with t saying that oh those are nice people they just think differently. But I wouldn't get the same grace, I think, if I had a, a relative who had certain views that other people disagreed with. That's just my opinion. So I did think I did think the conversation was interesting. Um, the one thing is that that actress wasn't hot water already because about a month ago she said something about not getting paid enough. And uh, and not to say that, you know, there probably are paid discrepancies in Hollywood, but she said something like, you know, it's so hard to make a living and, 
you know, everybody's like, well, the rest of us are struggling during the pandemic. They're not making nearly as much as you make, you know, for an episode, each episode that you make of Euphoria. So it's it's been a lively debate. I mean, it, it's been interesting, you know, and then, you know, there's been funny things on Twitter, like, you know, people saying things like, oh, like, are you, are you shocked? This is what white people are like. And, you know, this is a, every white person is like, is like this. It doesn't say much. And so it's, there's been a lot of like funny debate. I mean, it's, it's actually, I think very important, but I think it's, there's a lot of um, interesting discussion and debate around it. It's obviously not something that's like, you know, the biggest story in our midst, but I do think it's a topic that, you know, I think is important and that we should touch on because I do think certain Trump supporters do get, the kid glove treatment by a lot of people. Oh yeah. I think it's, uh, uh, symbolically, uh, an important story. I, I, and, uh, let me say this, there's the counter, uh, attack from a MAGA that is just enraged. Uh, once again, as they see it, once again, woke America, we can't even wear a red hat. We can't even wear, uh, a, uh, Blue Lives Matter t-shirt. You know, all you want to do is cancel our culture, uh, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, you politicize absolutely everything. Uh, and so it becomes, it becomes um, emblematic of this larger debate that always erupts. It's just constantly erupting absolutely everywhere. You're censoring us. And I just, I would love for you to riff on that one a little bit. Well, just, the well, notion of, of, of people censoring MAGA, I just find no, so I know, and nobody's though. censoring you. You can wear a MAGA hat, but then I could say something about your MAGA hat. I mean, you know, this same group of people who complains that they're being canceled cancels people all the time. I mean, I mean, this group watches football, okay? And Colin Kaepernick took a knee. You canceled Colin Kaepernick, and you know they talk about being patriotic. I mean, what's patriotic to you is different to other people. Patriotic. Being patriotic to a lot of people means speaking out to the ills of your country. But this group just wants it to be a white country. So anybody who's not white and speaks out against what they think is wrong or what's wrong in this country, they're the ones who are not patriotic. And then anything that says America first or white people first, which is really, I mean, America first is really code for white people first. It's like that is what patriotism is to them. So I just find it very interesting because they've been canceling people all the time. They will cancel. And, you know, I know we're going to touch upon, um, you know, a story that my friend Tina Svondelis and a friend of yours did and where she interviewed people in Centralia, Illinois, and they're talking about how they're like, you know, I just want to do what I want to do. And I don't think anybody should interfere. And I was thinking to myself while I read that story, okay, so you don't care what I do. So if somebody that some, one of my relatives or friends decided to go to Centralia and erect a mosque, would you care? <laughs> would you, would you stay quiet and be like, I'm just yeah. doing, I'm living my life. I'm doing what I need to do. Yeah. And it's like, they sit there and say that we don't want to impose. We don't want people imposing their beliefs onto us. You know, these big city folks or, you know, people of color, but they're the ones that are, have been opposing their religion onto the rest of us with their laws and with their ideas. And, and, and I'm just saying like, you know, I can imagine, you know, I know Tina's Tina went and did a great job on the story. Um, and I know Neil Steinberg wrote a, a follow-up to it and he's kind of gone into small town um, places in Illinois too. And I'm not, and I'm not disparaging, you know, everybody in these small towns, but the people that they quoted, I mean, they act like they're being ignored. I was born in the 1970s. Let me tell you, every single Hollywood movie, a lot of Hollywood movies I grew up watching, romanticizes small town America, America and small town American people. You haven't been forgotten. I feel like, you know, there's, are there problems in small town America? Of course, the white working class is struggling. But to act like white America has been forgotten, white working class America has been forgotten, that's totally wrong. And if you want to say working class America has been forgotten, maybe that's true, because there are working class people who are black, who are Latino, who are Asian, but they want to act like they're the only ones who are out there. And at the end of the day, to me, it just seems like they're lose 
they can't handle the fact that this country is getting more and more diverse. To me, that's what it stands out as. And, you know, as I find my, you know, Tina is someone, you know, she's Polish and Greek, but she's white. Neil Steinberg is white. I've seen, you know, I've seen articles written by reporters who are Muslim or and or are people of color and have reported in these same small towns. And, you know, the way they get treated is a lot different than when somebody who's seemingly white goes into these places and gets interviewed. So they can feel the antagonism against them. And, you know, and not to say that everybody in small town America is like a certain way, because I think there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of great people. I'm sure I have stereotypes too, but I do try to look at people as individuals. But when people say that, you know, they're just trying to do, they just, they're just patriotic and they just want to do what they want to do. And Darren Bailey's the only answer. It, it just sends a lot of signals to me. All right, man, you are going on some great riffs and let's just back out. Cause I'm not ready to leave this. We'll get to Tina's uh, excellent article uh, and uh, Neil Steinberg's comment a little bit, but let's just stick with uh, Sydney Sweeney. I just want to point something out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, do not uh, be mad at Romana Hussein thinks she hates small town America. Okay, <laughs> she loves John Mellencamp, and I, I every do, time actually. she calls, I, I was born in a small town. She's say, like singing. White small town, white America has like rock stars who sing about being a small town boy. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, yeah. like you know made a living, even though he's not working class anymore. I mean, he's the one that talks about working in the factory and all that stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> give me a break. But I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, and you know, I'm not saying that small time. I mean, I do have to say that I am very grateful that my parents ended up in Chicago and not in a small town only because these small towns to me aren't as diverse. And if I had was raised in a small town as a South Asian Muslim, I think I would have, my confidence would have been different. I would have been less sure in my identity because I've seen that happen to people. So I'm just grateful. I was in the seventies that I was born in Chicago. I I am grateful. I, I don't think I could handle a small town. I, that's just me personally. I know some people love small towns. I can't. And I have to tell you, I do know a South Asian family um, who did live in Centralia, Illinois. So there are, there are different people. Not everybody there is worth, um, white working class. Oh man, come on! I, I, it's probably before your time, but Denzel made a movie in the late '80s, Mississippi Musala, which is about. Oh, I saw that too. Uh, in, in the Americans, no, oh, you yeah. were too young to see that. No, that was no, I was, in, I, was in, I was in college. Of course, I saw. It. I we, you know, Indians, we'd soak up anything with an Indian person in it. I mean, back in those days, there was like no movies and we're like, wow, Denzel Washington decided to make a movie with the, with the Indian, like, you know, love interest. We were just like super excited. So I saw that. I mean, of course I saw anything. I mean, Indian people were starved for any pop culture, like, you know, reference or any sort of pop culture, like, you know, pop culture, you know, movie, TV shows that had like even an Indian character, even if they were, were the butt of the joke, we'd get slightly excited. We'd be like, oh my God, did you watch so-and-so? So I of course know about Mississippi Masala. And one of the things is a lot of Indian Americans, if they don't, you know, especially if they're doctors, they all end up in small towns because, you know, there's jobs. A lot of people don't want to go to the small towns. So there's a lot of South Asians who end up in small towns, you know, working as the town doctor. I have a friend who, um, have you ever heard of a place called Flanagan, Illinois? I never heard of it until I met this person, but her dad is the doctor of the town. And, you know, his his uh, driveway gets shoveled the first thing um, whenever there's a snowstorm because he's the doctor of the town. So, yeah, I know there's a lot of South Asians there. I'm, kind of, I'm telling you, Ben, we're everywhere. So um, I do think small towns are, they're just a little different. They're not really my speed and they're not my, they're not my jam, I, I, I'd like to say because I do like being in a big city, but that's just me. All right. Now let's go back to uh, Sydney Sweeney and the party. Cause there's symbolism there. And I want you to riff a little more on this uh, because uh, it, it, it is a sort of significance. So again, one more time, Sydney Sweeney is a very prominent TV actress, uh, Euphoria White Lotus, a very successful uh, actress, very popular. Uh, and um, so she had this party to pay tribute to her mom. God bless her mom turned 60. Uh, so it was a theme party, and uh, the theme of the party was Make 60 Great Again, which, of course, is a play in the words Make America Great Again, which is MAGA. Uh, and, um, and they were wearing red hats. 
uh, just the same color as uh, Donnie Trump's MAGA hats, only I think it said make uh, 60 great again as opposed to make America great again. Uh, as far as I could tell, it had like a real a Western theme. So people were all dressed up like as cowboys or cow women. Uh, Sydney Sweeney was wearing boots. Uh, Quentin Tarantino was probably pay, paying great attention to those boots. Uh, they did this uh, Western line dance. Haven't seen a Western line dance in a while. Um, and uh, so very heavily uh, Western theme. The men were, a lot of the men were wearing like cowboy shirts, uh, et cetera, except for, uh, oh boy, whoever he was with the Blue Lives Matter. So in the midst of the political climate that is the United States of America in the year 2022, where, and I'm not making this up, people, MAGA says they're going to go out in the streets and riot if Donnie Trump is indicted for stealing national documents and keeping them in the basement of Mar-a-Lago. You're not allowed to indict Donald Trump, apparently. Okay, I guess he's just above the law, according to MAGA. Uh, or they'll riot, which is an interesting uh, reaction uh, to corporate, to our, our political malfeasance. Uh, never heard anybody in Chicago say they're going to riot if an alderman gets indicted, just saying. Um, so in that particular, uh, with that particular context, do you think, Romana, that it's a little, what, tone deaf? To hold a party, <laughs> honoring mom. I know I'm all for honoring mom, and I'm all for honoring 60. You know, it's a big birthday. But I don't know, man. I mean, maybe you could come up with a different theme, maybe a different look that would be less. I don't know. I know. You know, Sydney Sweeney, I, <laughs> I know you, you might have rethought this one. Go ahead. Robert. I think, I think, yeah, I think you're right about being tone deaf. I think that if you look, I mean, Listen, there's black cowboys. I have a family friend who lives in Texas, and he told us he wears cowboy hats. Of course, we all started laughing, and he took it off before my brother saw once because he knew my brother would make fun of him. But, I mean, you know, there there are Mexican-Americans who wear cowboy hats. So I know it's like a certain type of, um, you know, it's, it's a, ter- a certain type of look that a lot of people like. So that that's fine, actually. I mean, I think the theme was a hoedown. Um, from what I recollect. And, you know, Sydney Sweeney did um, send a response. Uh, she tweeted a response about how, you know, she's like, everybody's, you know, taking things out of context. But I do, I do, I personally think it's tone deaf. But I also, I can see like, you know, what if it was like a black person who kind of did it as a joke? You know what I mean? And I think, I think it would be different. I think, I think, people would take it differently. Like if someone had red hats and you know, honestly the red hats didn't bother the bother me that much as much as the blue lives matter. The hats, I was like, okay, it's an ironic joke or something like that. But there was someone with the blue lives matter shirt, which basically is a response to the black lives matter movement. And it's a response that is basically flipping off the black lives matter movement. Like I could see the hat being taken as like, okay, this is kind of like a joke. Cause you know, a lot of people have taken, um, you know, the Donald Trump hats and they said, you know, said something like make like, you know, something totally liberal great again. So, you know, I, people can kind of take that and, you know, make it their own. But when someone's wearing a shirt that says blue lives matter to me, that's a little more um, threatening. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, you know, that could be just the one person who like is a blue lives matter person. You can't control like if that's what your relative wants to wear. But I do think, like I said, there's, discussions about like well do you say something or like you do just act like this is a normal thing and you know the pictures like surfacing on the on the you know internet and my younger sister was saying that well I think she paid for the whole party but I'm like I didn't read anything about that so my 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 younger sister was thinking that she like it was her theme that she came up with and who knows you know what I mean sometimes people just don't really think about it like do I think this is like the biggest crime of the century no but I do think it brings up a lot of issues that I think we don't talk about and, and, and just the passes that certain, you know, the white, white people get and the entitlement white people have and the privilege white people have and how they don't recognize the privilege that they do have. All right. Well, that's a perfect segue away from Sydney Sweeney, although I could talk about this for another half an hour. <laughs> I know. I'm glad uh, I gave it to you because I was, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about sending it to you earlier. I thought maybe your daughters, I know you told me your daughters watch Euphoria and I thought maybe your daughters told you about it. And so I was thinking about sending it to you and then I'm like, I got to no, I got to send it to you. 
I, I was totally uh, ignorant about it until you uh, alerted me to it. And uh, uh, I, I just found the whole, everything about it just fascinating. And uh, I could talk about it forever. But let's make the segue uh, to Tina's Fandel's story because there's a connection here. Uh, and I think if there's a theme, it's like tone deaf. Uh, and so major shout out to Tina's Fandelis, uh, excellent political reporter uh, for the Sun-Times. And uh, she went to Centralia, Illinois, downstate Illinois, to interview people in Trump country. That's how the story was positioned. Uh, or uh, Darren Bailey country, if you want to localize it. Darren Bailey, the Republican governor for, uh, the Republican candidate for governor. Uh, and, and sort of to um, come to an understanding for Chicago readers, people in Chicago, uh, like how folks in Centralia view the world. And uh, so I thought she was very dispassionate. I thought she was completely objective. I thought that she just removed herself, whatever her feelings are. I have no idea what her feelings were because she's she plays it by the book, as you know, Tina does. And uh, so it was just great reporting, in my humble opinion. Yeah, and I a agree. very well written article. Uh, and so folks were just expressing themselves. And I'm reading these quotes and I'm like, is, are you guys like listening to what you're saying? Because the things you're lamenting are the things that the movement you've joined does all the time. So the one woman who said, I just, can't you just leave us alone? Like, hello? <laughs> it's not, it's not like liberals are the ones who are saying, don't teach that. Or, you know what I mean? They're banning. You can't. In Ron DeSantis, Florida, you're not allowed to mention gay. You know, all over the country, you're not allowed to talk about slavery because it's going to hurt some white kids' feelings. They're not. They're like, every day it seems like there's another story about a movement to get to pull a book that deals with uh, gender issues from a library or tell a library they were going to have a bingo night or something where uh, uh, a drag uh, queen was, was going to present um do the bingo. It seemed like a, no, you can't do that. It's like the people who are doing all the censoring are the Trumpsters. And then like, if you criticize, if you dare to criticize a, like just a Sydney Sweeney for being tone deaf about wearing a, having a MAGA <laughs> hat themed party celebrating her mom, they're like, you're woke. Quit picking on us. We can't do any. So Ramana, I, I need help with this one now. Okay, no, and that was just you, one quote in the story. You don't need help. You're just it's just hypocrisy. I mean, you know, I, I just talked about you know Colin Kaepernick, and 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 it's done with other people. Like you know, I, I hate to keep talking about sports, but I mean, I shouldn't say I hate, but I'm just saying to bring up again. But LeBron James, I mean, you know, he was told to shut up and dribble. And, you know, there's other like, you know, musicians and artists. Whenever they say something, they're like, just play your music. You know what I mean? So it's like. It's like you want to say what you want to say and impose it on everybody else. But when someone says that they have a different opinion, they're infringing on your rights and harassing you. And it's interesting to me that all these people are getting so upset because Donald Trump's house was raided. And I'm thinking to myself at the same time, like you were okay when they were infringing on the civil liberties of other people that don't look like you, you're okay with that in the name of, you know, safety or Homeland security. It's like when it's something that, you know, is threatening their life in terms of like, you know, their status in society or, you know, their elevation, you know, their, you know, whatever it is, white America, like, you know, if they see that like a threat on that white Christian America, it's automatically an infringement on their, and when I mean a threat, they think anybody that doesn't look like them is a threat, right? And I'm not saying everybody in that article thinks that, but that's the sense I was getting with some of the people that were talking where, like I just mentioned, they're like, oh, just leave us alone and we'll do whatever we want to do. And we're okay with people doing whatever they want to do. But that's not true. It's like, like I said, if if I went over there and started building a mosque, would they stay quiet and be like, okay, you can you can do what you want to do. That's not how they, that's not how they operate. They, that's not how I think, I mean, I shouldn't say all small towns, but that's how I feel like they were, that's what they're giving away. They're saying what Darren Bailey is saying, you know, like, we don't want to be like Chicago. 
So what does that mean? To me, that's like a dog whistle. We don't want people, you know, to come into our cities or towns that look like you or are different. We want the way things were happening, like in the 1950s, and we want to keep it that way and leave us alone. So that's what it means by leave us alone. So, you know, I, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of great people in Centralia, Centralia, Illinois, but it's, it's like the logic that I'm, I'm reading. And then, you know, they're, they're claiming to be patriotic. Would they think somebody like me is patriotic? Probably not. Right. So it's like, what is patriotism? Is patriotism following Donald Trump? If it is, then I guess I'm not patriotic. Uh, No, I mean, either. And uh, no, it's uh. Uh, it's just a healthy matter. Uh, It's a healthy abundance of indifference to how other people are responding to you. And 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 we've talked about Darren Bailey. Let's let's get your thoughts on this. This could be a whole column from you. So uh, the tone and the tenor of people that are interviewed uh, by Tina in her story are one feeling a sense of being uh, put down, picked on, uh, lumped into one like a category that just unfairly depicts them reduced to a social stereotype all right this is what they're saying over and over again and i'm thinking well the guy you support for uh governor it goes around saying chicago is a hellhole he feels free to go around saying chicago is a hellhole i would say interesting strategy uh running for governor you know, uh, just insult the biggest congregation of people, the collection of people in the state, call it a hellhole, like it's all bad. And um, I can't think of anybody, and help me here, maybe you know somebody, and I'll have to back off on this, any Democrat, any liberal, any lefty, anyone, Bernie Sanders persuasion, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, you know, uh, Lori Lightfoot. I can't think of anyone from the Democratic side of the aisle who's ever said the equivalent about Centralia. I'd never heard them say, what a hellhole. <laughs> Mike Royko, way before you have a columnist for the Sun-Times, back in the, his glory days, in my humble opinion, uh, it used to make fun of people downstate. He, he would do it. He would be provocative. They'd get all mad. He'd said someone from downstate is like uh, from Pig Kisser County, that kind of thing, okay? And so he would make – but no elected official has ever done it. So I don't understand it. Help me here one more time. Why is it okay for Darren Bailey to collectively disrespect the entire city of Chicago, but we people in Chicago are supposed to be really sensitive to the feelings of Centralia. Help me out, Romana. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that neither I nor anybody who grew up in a city has had stereotypes of small town people. And, you know, maybe they are misunderstood. And that's one of the things that I think is important for us to get out of that. We should treat everybody as individuals. And that's, that's the same thing that I feel the same way you said. It's like, okay, so you want to be respected but then you're going back and saying, oh, everybody in Chicago is like living in a hellhole and everybody in Chicago is like this or like that. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's like you're OK to stereotype Chicago and people who live in Chicago. But the moment anybody says, I mean, I don't even think anybody like you said, I don't think any elected official has said anything about anybody in a small town. Not that I know of. I mean, there could have been somebody who said something about, you know, I guess, I guess Hillary Clinton said something about deplorables, but she didn't say deplorables in a small town. Um, And maybe that's what they took it as, but it's, it's like, you want everybody to be sensitivity, sensitive to you, but you're okay. It's okay for you to say stuff about them. And I, I just think it's hypocrisy. And it's something that I have seen time and time again with Trump and Trump supporters. And I just find it so odd and just insane at the same time. And it's like, you can't recognize that hypocrisy. It's, it's like, okay, you, you don't, you know, you know, whenever like somebody that doesn't look like, you know, a small town white American suggests something, they're like, oh, you're pushing your like, you know, ideas on us. You're pushing your wokeness on us. But yet, the conservative viewpoints are the things that are getting pushed on the rest of us. 
what conservative Christians think is conservative Christians have infiltrated the Supreme Court and what conservative Christians want is what's being imposed on the rest of us, even though it's those of us who aren't Christian or aren't like white. I'm just saying. Well, in uh, the, the Hillary Clinton example you gave is, uh, I, I must confess, is a very good one because that may be the unspoken uh, thought that somebody in Centralia would have behind closed scenes when Democrats are speaking to at a fundraiser. They may uh, put down uh, people of a different political persuasion, call them deplorables. Remember Barack Obama said all they care about is their guns. I think it was Barack Obama who said something, all they care about is their guns. Uh, and uh, so I, I think that is as close uh, as a Democrat will come to uh, do what <laughs> Darren Bailey feels. Oh, Darren Bailey, you know, uh, Donald Trump, this is shootings in Chicago. The response is not what we can do to help in any way. They're shooting. See? See? Exactly. <laughs> it's a response to what makes me upset. I mean, nobody is saying that gun violence isn't a problem in Chicago. And that's what I said in the column that I did last time. I mean, nobody in Chicago is going to say that crime isn't a problem or that guns aren't a problem. But the same people who are saying that guns, you know, that people in Chicago are, you know, are going crazy and, you know, Darren Bailey called it a hellhole than the OK Corral. It's like, but what is your response to the to what's happening in Chicago? Oh, no, you can't do anything about the guns. You have to keep the guns. So it's like you're not even your response doesn't even make sense. It's like if you want to stop the bleeding, then help with, you know, put a Band-Aid on it or not even a Band-Aid, but like, you know, you go into surgery for something like that. But instead, they want to bleed, let people bleed out. That's the way I see it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to move on uh, to your column. But before I do, I'm going to give you a Sydney Sweeney trivia question. Uh, and I may not know that, but uh, Ramana mops the floor with me when it comes to uh, I'd say recent trivia, but she's been whooping me going back to 80s trivia. So, Sydney Sweeney uh, is engaged to marry uh, a man. Who is she engaged to marry? I do not know. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. <laughs> Who? The I don't only know. reason I know this is because I took this incredible Sydney Sweeney deep dive today after you alerted me to the existence of this controversy, which I know so much about, but I knew nothing about when the day began. Wasted, oh, I don't think it's a waste. Spent about an hour of my life just, whoa, more, more. <laughs> uh, who who is she engaged being. to? She's engaged to a Chicagoan. Oh. Uh, a, yeah, I know. That's what I said. His name is Jonathan DeVino, and his family owns a restaurant on Taylor Street. Oh, interesting. And, and, yeah, that's all I know about it. Uh, I read that. I'm like, whoa, I've been in the restaurant's called Pompeii. And I was like, oh, I've been to Pompeii. Yeah, I've been to Pompeii uh, too. Yeah. So uh, I have a connection to Sydney Sweeney. Just being in Pompeii, it's like Sydney and I are friends. Uh, all right. I'm going to leave you alone, Sydney Sweeney. I just think you should think twice. I don't know, man. And particularly because the character you play in White Lotus is just, we, we had a White Lotus deep dive. I don't know if you remember that, uh, Romana. But the character she plays is just so oblivious and clueless. It's such a key part to uh, yeah, that's the privilege what, that yeah. she has. Yeah. And it's like, hello, don't you think about the scripts that you read? I know. And, you know, one of the things is, so her character in Euphoria has uh, a black boyfriend in the beginning parts of the series. And so, you know, a lot of black people are like, oh, so you think just because a white person has a black significant other they're not going to be like you know tone deaf or anything like that so it's been like i said it's been it's been an interesting discussion i know again these are twitter discussions but sometimes some of these are the best discussions about what's happening in the cultural context of or what the cultural backdrop is in in the united states all right uh so one last uh, trivia question then we'll move on yes sydney sweeney uh is in euphoria but she is not the star of euphoria for 10 trivia points, Ramana Hussein, who is the star of... Oh, my of God. <laughs> of course I know this. If I'm pronouncing her name right. Yeah, she's great. I mean, she's half of the reason I watched the show. She's like a great actress. Uh, Zendaya. 
Anyway, I did not know that until I looked it up uh, This when I did my deep dive. I've never watched Euphoria, it's true. But I did watch White Lotus, and I did see her in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right, let's move on. Uh, uh, excellent com- column, in my humble opinion. Giving a lot of love to the bright one these days. You know, I, I criticize the bright one when I disagree. It was with their editorials or uh, their headlines, I think, are really dumb. But Tina's co- uh, article was outstanding. Uh, I had Manny Ramos, I'm bragging about this, did a long interview with uh, Manny Ramos, outstanding reporter uh, for the Sun-Times about uh, his drag racing in the streets of Chicago, a series. Uh, urge everybody to check out that interview uh, as well. But And and your column uh, that you wrote when you came back from your vacation, um, it was just really well done, in my humble opinion. The way you set it up, it was crafted. I think that uh, young journalism students might do themselves a favor by reading the column, see how Ramana set it up. It started off like kind of fuzzy and mundane and flowery or whatever and then boom she made a point at the end she just took us on that ride it was like the and and they replicated the ride of your trip uh that you took you know throughout europe so here i'm analyzing romana's column but it was really well done so from as one old newspaper writer uh to a far much younger one congratulations are really thank well you done. thanks it was um, uh, i knew I, I knew i was still in, i was still in vacation mode and then darren and bailey made those comments um about Chicago being a hellhole. And then, you know, one of the places we visited was Auschwitz, which is very sad. And, you know, it kind of tied it to gun violence. And uh, I don't know, it came together. Trust me, I was just like, well, what am I going to do? I remember, I so I was at the Cubs game on that Wednesday, when, the day before I had to start writing it. And I was like, I was like trying to come up with ideas while I was sitting there watching the game. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, everybody's written about loan, student loan forgiveness. I don't want to write about something that everybody else is writing about. And I know a lot of people are writing about the um, the hellhole comments, but I wanted to take it in a different direction and talk about how travel is really important because it does open a lot of people's eyes. And yeah, it you know, going to small town America, you know, probably opens a lot of people's eyes too. that, you know, these people aren't stereotypes or caricatures you know, they're human beings, just like everybody else. And one of the things my, my late father always told us that there's more to the world than the United States. And um, I don't necessarily have to go where all the um, Americans are going. And I've, I've been to so many countries, because my father kind of inspired me to like, he was someone that liked to travel, and I really like to travel. And, and I've always gone off the beaten path. A lot of times, this time, I wasn't crazy beat off the beaten path. I went to Portugal and Poland. Um, those are in Europe and that's, those are Poland might not be a country. A lot of people go to, but um, they're definitely in Europe, but they're, but they're um, definitely both interesting, but um, I've been to countries. Other people would never think twice about going. And, you know, I never had, I never had crazy stereotypes about them, but when I went there, I did, it did change the way I thought about them. And it's the way, you know, I read newspaper stories about places and people are like, Oh, that place is dangerous. And I'm like, and then I talk to people who live in Chicago. I'm like, that's the way they think of, you know, people look at Chicago and that's the way you're treating other people's countries. So these are people's homes at the end of the day. And yeah, you know, there are places that are dangerous. And that was my point I was making that Chicago can be dangerous, but there's also a lot of good in Chicago too. And that's the same with a lot of places and people are struggling. People are trying to make ends meet and Nobody likes the violence that's happening, but what are you doing? What's your response to the violence that's happening is what matters. And yes, we need to get rid of the violence. Nobody's saying that. So thanks for reading. I appreciate it. I did get a lot of, um, I got mostly positive comments, but I did get a lot of people, you know, getting mad at me as well. And, you know, throwing, throwing, throwing dog whistles too, you know, while they're at it, they're like, I don't know what God you pray to, but I hope when you get down on your knees, and pray to whatever God you, pray, you know, those kind of, those kind of comments about, you know, me. Wait, what, 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 what was in that column? Uh, you know, cause they were getting mad at me. They were getting mad at me for, um, you know, talking about gun violence and how guns are bad. And, you know, and, and, and some, some people told me that, oh, how can you say that people are indifferent to what was happening to, to the Jewish people? I'm like, hello, over 1 million people died in Auschwitz alone. So people were indifferent to it. And that's the whole thing. It's like the way we respond when quote unquote good people don't do anything. That is when evil is able to proceed. And and so that that was my point. It's like you're letting gun violence happen and you're talking it and calling it a hellhole. But meanwhile, you're auctioning off a gun and bragging about the guns you have. So 
what what really are you doing? I mean, you know, when the Highland Park shooting happened, um, there were a lot of people going on Twitter, like, you know, people who don't know anything about Chicago or the Chicago area. And they're, they start going off on Kim Fox and Chicago and Cook County. I mean, Highland Park isn't even in Cook County. It's not Chicago. It's in Lake County. And so, like, people are just like, God, it's like people don't realize that gun violence is a problem that's plaguing all parts of our country, not just Chicago. And it's a problem that will keep growing if we keep ignoring it. And, you know, so I just thought there was a lot of thoughts going on in my head about the way we look at the world and the way we look at, you know, different places where people live. So it just had me thinking and I just started writing and it came together. Poland. Why did you, what motivated you to go to Poland? <laughs> so, so, you know, we were talking about Tina Smondelis, right? Uh, so Tina Smondelis took her mom, her and her uh, middle sister went to Poland last year. Her, Tina is, Tina's father was Greek and her mother is Polish and both are immigrants. And Tina's been to Greece like a lot of times, but I don't think she'd ever been to Poland. And she wanted to take her mom to Poland. She's like, you know, she's getting older. I should take her, me and my my middle sister decided we should go to Poland and I was looking at her pictures and it was just beautiful. I, I was like, wow, I'm like, I want to go to Poland too. So I, the trip that we had scheduled my younger sister and a friend, we actually were scheduled to go March 17, 2020. So clearly we weren't able to go. So finally we were able to go this year and um, we were thinking maybe we could add another country. And I remember looking at Tina's pictures and my younger sister saw the pictures too. And we're like, maybe we can go to Poland for a few days. So we went to Krakow for four days and it was wonderful. It was like, the food was great. Um, it was really pretty. And so, yeah, I know a lot of people when I tell them Portugal, cause Portugal's really hip right now and that's where everybody's going. But then when I say, oh, yeah, I went to Portugal and Poland, people are like Poland. And trust me, <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a reaction to a lot of countries where I go to people are just like, Oh, that's interesting. Why would you go to there? And I, I've always, like I said, I've tried to go to places that are off the beaten path. And one of the things I jokingly say is like, I want to get away from Americans when I go overseas. Like I don't want to go to Cancun. I don't want to go to Mex parts of Mexico where it's just a bunch of white Americans. It's like, that is not what I want to do. I I've always made fun of Americans who just want to go to another country where there's other Americans and they just want to recreate what they have in America instead of actually exploring you know, parts of the world or parts of the country that are a lot different and don't have Americans like running around in them. So that's just one of one of my goals. Like, and, and you know, I mentioned Anthony Bourdain in my um, column, and I was I was a huge fan of Anthony Bourdain because every person, a lot, especially people of color and people who are immigrants and come from countries that people decide to call shitholes, as Donald Trump called them once. Um, they just love the way he went to these countries and actually talked to people who lived in these countries. And he did a really good job of humanizing people, which is something a lot of people have failed to do, including reporters. I just thought he was like a master of that. So I don't know if you ever watched Anthony Bourdain, but he went to a lot of really cool countries off the beaten path. And he was just he was just amazing. I, I just thought I just think he's great. I just thought he was yeah. great. Actually, never. Have, I, I, I get around to it one of these days, but I've uh, never seen uh, an Anthony Bourdain show. All right, uh, we will close with Romana's recommendation, uh, a regular part of our conversation, and what uh, Romana is watching uh, in the either in the movies or on TV. So, uh, what's your recommendation, Romana? Um, so, I just finished the third season of Never Have I Ever. That's the Mindy Kaling show. Um, and now I do want to watch, I did not know Reservoir Dogs had come out, Reservation Dogs had come out the second season. So that is definitely on my list. Um, also on my list, everybody was watching that show about that chef. Now, like I'm blanking on the name, um, the bear, that's what it's called. Everybody was talking about it. It's supposed to be set in Chicago. Um, but I do want to watch the next thing I think I want to tackle, and it depends on whether Mick wants to watch it with me not or with me or not, what depending on like what I watch it. But if I watch it with Mick, I, I do want to start Mo, which is by this uh, Palestinian American comedian, and it's kind of loosely based on his life. It's on Netflix, and so far everybody's like been raving about it. And um, and like I said, I do have a friend, a family friend who worked on the show. I think he co-wrote the third episode, so I am going to watch that. Um, that's my next, but I am going to try to try to watch those other shows as well. So I don't know. That's, that's what's on my list. That's what I've been thinking about so far. 
Well, you got a lot on your list. Uh, I urge you to run, don't walk to watch uh, a reservation uh, dogs. Uh, I w- it's probably my favorite show on TV. Yeah. And I did watch uh, the first season. I had, I had no idea that the second season is on. So I definitely want to watch yeah. it. I enjoyed you it. You know, that I, I told you this, they dribble it out. It's, they, it's the Hulu, you know, so it's like two this week, two that. Oh man, come on, just drop them so I can watch one. I think about, there's about whatever. seven or eight of them already dropped. Yeah, so you're, so you're you're okay. Yeah. I uh, I made the mistake of uh, following their format, so you know it's the heavy anticipation. I love it. I just love everything about it: the tone, the writing, the acting. The last one they did about um, oh my goodness, uh, this uh, convention uh, that the um, the women on the tribe go to is so funny. Is it? Uh, it's just so fun it, it, the women are it's like women's night out and i won't tell you what and then there's a, um, a comedian that uh my gen x listeners may remember bobby lee uh, plays a doctor bobby lee is hilarious i just think the guy is absolutely one of the funniest comedians and he's a great comic actor and he plays a doctor on the reservation and how come i don't know who this guy he, is he bobby was lee, he, yeah um, i don't know i'm gen x he was on the first season too i think yeah he was in um uh, what was it? Uh, it was Arrival to Saturday Night Live. I thought it was funnier in Saturday Night Live. Uh, Second City TV. Oh, I okay. Saw that one. Yeah, uh, I don't think and, I ever um, did, but I, I'm surprised. I don't recognize him, but I know who you're talking Bobby about. He's hilarious. Uh, and then I watch his stand up stuff too, anyway. So, uh, all right, I'm going to get, I'm going to, uh, never have I ever. Do you give that two thumbs up? I have um, not watched any they of act- that. They actually, like, this season I liked a lot better than, like, I, you know, as, as an Indian-American, I'm always, like, we're always dissecting everything. Like, you know, like the Palestinian-American one, it's like everybody's, we all, whenever there's some, like, like how I said that we eat up anything where, like, a South Asian is in, then we start dissecting it to whether we think they're catering it to, like, a white audience or, you know, and, and, and Mindy Kaling has been definitely criticized for catering to a white audience, but she's kind of, She's kind of like, I don't know, I feel like she's listened to some of the criticism, but I think overall it's a good show. Like I, I have some issues with Mindy Kaling, but in general, I think it's 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 a it's a good show. I think it, it touches on um, some like good issues. I think there's three seasons. I think you can burn through them pretty quick. And I think there's just going to be fourth and final season next year. And then I think it'll be over. So I think I think you'll enjoy it. Well, I'm, I'm, I have this fear that when uh, Reservation Dogs is over, I'm going to go into an abyss. No, then you can watch Never Have I Ever. And I still yeah, have to I still have to watch the British show that you told me about. So I, I that was oh, on my Slow list. Slow Horses. Yeah, that's Slow a, Horses. Yeah, that's, that's, on that's on my yeah. list. That's on my list. All right, very good. Ramana Hussein, it's great talking to you again. Good to see you again. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. All right, that's great. Ramana Hussein, I'm Ben Drowski. Take care, everybody. Thank you.